0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the internet that trolled me. I mean, family and friends, you know, were just like, I can't believe she left her kids. And I'm just like, whoa, first of all, they're not babies.
1: Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah, hey, 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 yeah. Hey, hey, hey. So thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business? Sissy. <laughs>
0: Hello, everyone. My name is Nubia Young. I am originally from Boston, Massachusetts, and I am currently, (laughs) and I say currently because I move around a lot, I'm currently in Mexico, and I am the owner of Women of Color Travel Society. I am the founder of Chronicles Abroad Podcast, and I am also the owner of A New Experience,
1: so like help us out tell us what these ventures are all about
0: okay so women of color travel society is a network basically of professional women of color over or between the ages of 40 and 55 and I curate weekend experiences for them. I realized that um, the travel industry is dominated by millennials and millennial women but there is a huge network of us over 40 that just got lost. It's almost like a lost art. It's like where are we at, you know, and um That's actually how Chronicles Abroad got started. But uh, with that said, um, I noticed that all we were doing were working, taking care of our families, and not really putting time in for ourselves. And if we did, it was maybe like lunch with the girls one night, you know? And I was just like, we need to do more. You know, I'm sitting here traveling the world, and people are like, oh, I would love to meet up with you now that I'm in Mexico. It makes it much easier for women to take a quick weekend getaway, like take the kids, I gotta go, you know, take one day off of work instead of a full week off of work, and just taking a few days to themselves to enjoy, you know, history, culture, gastronomy, anything that Mexico has to offer, because that's what I'm focusing on right now is Mexico. So that's Women of Color Travels. Chronicles Abroad was birthed the same way, actually. When I decided to, Move to Asia from America. I was researching my behind off looking for people who looked like me and I can relate to. And I could not find that. Everything was white millennials that were blogging and all of this. And then the black people I seen, it was pretty much just photos, you know, taking photos for the gram and these grease photos with the long dresses or, you know, photos in Bali with the flower tubs, but there was no real life black women (laughs) who were, you know, moms and professionals and early retired or whatever. And I was just like, I know we're out here. So when I got to Thailand, I met a community of us. And I'm just like, why aren't your stories being told? And anyone who knows me loves knows that I love to chit-chat and have conversation with people. So I just created a podcast. And that podcast specifically is for professionals over 35. That's my target market. Um, I don't necessarily just focus on women of color, but I focus on professionals over 35 who... Started their lives over abroad, or work abroad, or you know just travel long term abroad, and that's where that started. And um, it's been almost three years now, and we are heard in ninety six countries around the world in forty four U S. territories. So it's definitely grown, and i um, proud of that. You know, that's my baby. And my last one, a new experience, is my personal brand it's what I bring. I bring new experiences to people. I spell it A-N-U, like a spinoff of Nubia. And um, it's my personal brand. It's where I share my stories called Newbie Chronicles. I'm starting a podcast about it. It's just my randomness, things that I envision, uh, people I run into, things I've done. And it's just random realness, newbies. Chronicles literally is just that. (laughs) It's just my life and sharing my story. And those are my three babies right now. I call myself a (laughs) travelpreneur.
1: Okay. So yes, ma'am. And this all started, (laughs) let's start at the beginning. So this all started for you when you got laid off in 2017 and you traveled to Thailand. Like, uh, yes, creating these things that are coming from this new Nubia.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, so my story started in, you know, long before I left. However, I didn't start traveling until I was well into my late 30s. And it was because as a single mother of two, I didn't think I, I could. I didn't know any better. I didn't really have friends that traveled the world. To me, travels meant going to New York, Miami, Las Vegas, you know, all of the places that most of us tried to go check out. And literally, now I, now I know it, it was a waste of money because the amount of money I spent in Miami, I could have been on an international adventure somewhere. But beyond that, I just didn't have the resources. Well, I didn't think I did. And, um... My uncle had gotten married in London, and that was my first ever real invitation abroad. So once I got the wedding invitation to say he's getting married in the UK, I jumped on the chance and applied for a passport and all of those things. I think it was 2011. And that was my first ever trip abroad. I contacted one of my girlfriends from high school that I knew had just kind of went on a vacation herself somewhere and she's a nurse so I knew she would have the money you know I had to be really strategic (laughs) of who I asked because in the black community we're good for yeah girl let's do it yep 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 then when it's time to purchase that ticket Mm -hmm. oh girl you know I can't right now it happens and it's it still happens to this day but um she was like, yeah, let's do it. So we went on a 14-day European vacation starting in France and ending in London. And I was I was floored. I was like, this is what's up. Do you know what I mean? Just the cost of anything seemed to be less expensive than what I had anticipated, especially in, in Paris. Um, I just thought Paris was going to be uber expensive, and it really wasn't, you know. I didn't run in the expensive taste pool. <laughs> so
1: uh, it was just. side Sidebar, I don't see how not. Because like you eat. Like you, <laughs> like you're not. I like. I love
0: eating.
1: Yeah, you're not really the street food type of mama. Like you don't really do that. Like you might do that. Like <laughs> I know. And listen, like I, I met you in Thailand. I know we don't like don't know each other. But like I know. <laughs> I
0: know. Do get down on some food, girl. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, you know what the thing about it is? I never really research food. I would like to throw on my shoes and get to walk in, and I run across some of the most spectacular places to eat just randomly. To be honest with you, I walk past people sitting there eating, and I will look. To, <laughs> I be mean, all up in their plate. What you eat? <laughs> I've literally asked people, "What's that? Is it good? You like it?" I have no problem asking people questions about the food that they're eating. And if it looks good, the place looks clean, the price looks right, I'm sitting down, I'm checking it out, you know? So one thing that Paris had to offer was a lot of prefix menus. So it was like, you know, nine euros for two or three course meal kind of thing, you know, came with your appetizer, your, your main course and a dessert or drink a a main course and a dessert. So I did a lot of that, you know, I was just like, okay, I could, I could do this now. London, UK was a whole different story. I was like, okay, where's happy hour? London is a whole different monster with their currency um, being the pound. At that time, it was just ridiculous. But anyway, moving on from that, I just I caught the international bug, and I was just like, I need to do more of this. And how can I do more of this? So, with that said, I had a little st- uh, stretch where I wasn't traveling at all for a little bit, and then right around 2015, 16, I was like, okay. I need need to find friends that travel. I need a new community. And that's when I started using Facebook to my advantage. I started looking for travelers. And I would type in keywords like travel, black travel, black travel groups, um, different things like that. And I found a group called No Madness. And that was my first real in when it came down to a travel community. I'm talking about 20,000 Professional people traveling the world. I was floored. I was like, "Where did? All, where have y'all been all my life?" You know. <laughs> and through that community, I had learned about travel hacks, error fears, and flight deals. And um, I built a community of people who wanted to travel together. At that time, I had already left Boston and was living in uh, Virginia, the DMV area. So the DMV had their own travel tribe. So I started going to meetups and meeting people. And I tell people all the time, if you don't extend yourself, then you're always going to stay in a bubble. So I just stepped out of my comfort zone and placed myself literally in, in the middle of what I said I wanted to be a part of. Does that make sense?
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, so I did that and I started taking trips with them. I've been to Iceland, Dubai, um with the travel club, you know, Guatemala, Martinique, Guadeloupe. Like list goes on and on and on. And this was like, wow, then I started building sisterhoods and It's just been amazing from there. So once I started learning a lot more and then you started building your connections with specific people, I fell back from the travel groups because it can be overwhelming Um, at time. It gave me what I needed. And then I started being able to travel solo that's what I started getting the confidence. Like, okay, I can take this trip. But even my solo trips weren't solo at first. I would be meeting someone in that country or I would go and be there for a day before the next person shows up or something. But to me, it was still um, an experience and it was still a part of me. I felt proud that I was getting on that plane and traveling 12 hours by myself and navigating that city by myself even for 24 hours. So that's when I started realizing that I really kind of enjoy solo travel. I didn't have to ask anyone, what do you want to do today? Where should we go today? What do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? Like none of that. It was just like, I just went and I did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And if I didn't want to do something, I just didn't do it. And I enjoyed that freedom. And that's when... I was like, I think I want to do this more, like full time. And I was like, I'm going to give myself like a year or two and I'm going to resign because at that point I was going to be turning 40 two years later when that thought came. And I was like, once you're 40, a whole different set of uh, experiences open up for you. It's weird. It's hard for me to say, but it's almost like every... Every, you know, milestone, right? You turn 30, you're like, oh, okay. I got to think about being a, a, a professional and stop doing the stuff I was doing. You turn 35, you start looking at relationships differently. You turn 40, everything around you looks different. You know, the people around you, the way you move, the way you talk. And um, I was like, I think I want to live abroad for like a year. That's all it was, just a thought. I want to slow travel. I'm tired of these four-day, five-day trips a week here, a week there. And um, in 2016, I literally did 16 journeys in 12 months. It was called 12 journeys in 12 months. And I ended up doing 16. And by the end of the 16 journeys, my doctor was like, you need to stop because you're burning yourself out. And that's when I realized that travel can be just as exhausting as it is rewarding and dangerous for your health. If you don't, you know, use things like compression socks and drink enough fluids and the, you know, the constant time zone changes and all of that just can mess with your system. So I was like, you know what, instead of doing this in, in chunks, like little bit here, a little bit there, I just want to go. I just want to go. And, um, I think I had put myself out there so much by saying I wanted to go that the universe was like, okay, I'm going to give you the opportunity to go. went to Portugal in 2016 for Christmas and New Year's, came back literally the first day back to work. I'm like, hey, everybody, you know, asking how was my trip. I get called in the office 20 minutes into being at work and my boss was like, you know, doing some restructuring. So. We're going to have to let you go. And I was just like, what? Like, I just spent 14 days in Portugal. I wish you would have told me this before I left. (laughs) Because I could have either stayed or I could have used that money. You know what I
1: mean? Well, Well, why didn't you tell me sooner? Damn. Came back to this
0: (laughs) For real. Y'all could have called me with this. But I was livid at the time. And then I realized this was exactly (laughs) what I asked for. (laughs) Right? Mm. We can't put it out there that we want or don't want something. Then when it comes to us, we're not ready for it. So I was just well, like, you know what?
1: That happens all it the time.
0: Just, it just, it, hey. it, all the time. All the time. But I had to recognize it was a blessing in disguise because they paid me a package for a good three months or whatever. Mm. And so it wasn't like they laid me off. It was like, your next check is Friday. Now, if that happened, I don't know what I would have done, to be honest with you, because that's just devastating to anyone, um, especially considering you have rent and everything else to cover. So they paid me my full salary for three months, plus you know health insurance for six months. So it worked out. I was like, okay, thank you. Gotta go. Bye. And during that time, I finished school. You know, I got rid of my place. I. Uh, donated and sold everything my daughter was already in college my son I had sent to go live with his dad um he was 16 at the time and I just looked at him and was like I think it's time I think it's time that you go around some testosterone I you know mama gotta do this like <laughs> you know he didn't actually want to travel because I asked him before I sent him with his dad I was like you want to go with me I think I'm gonna travel Asia he was like mom you're crazy I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> I, I was fed up. I was fed up with anyone and everything. I was just like, bump this. I don't care. I got to go do this for me. I don't care how you see it, view it, like it, don't like it. And I just I just got rid of everything, girl,
1: everything. You, you also got a little backlash. So I saw that you posted, um, I think it was in the Black Travel Movement group.
0: Mm-hmm. they trolled my
1: ass I'm sorry
0: they trolled my ass
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was like I didn't really read what they said I just wrote, read what you said because I don't really like look for controversy like that <laughs> but it seemed like they was at your throat because you left your son mm-hmm. with his father <laughs> yes <laughs> like, ma'am are you serious right now
0: Yeah. And, you know, the crazy thing about it is, it's not, it wasn't just the internet that trolled me. I mean, family and friends, you know, were just like, I can't believe she left her kids. And I'm just like, whoa, first of all, they're not babies. You know what I mean? I I was a single mother for all of these years. Like, I had my first
1: child at
0: 18. Yes. Nobody paid attention to what I was what I did or what I've done. And they only paid attention to the actual, you know, oh, believe me, I left with so much guilt. It was it was it was difficult. You know, it was difficult. I can't believe you're doing this. And I can't believe you're doing that. But that's but that's. Community. Unfortunately that's the black community We always got something to say about some damn buddy Instead of judging somebody else We need to pay attention to our own lives And what's going on within our own world And that's really where I got it from the most You know And for the people that I knew That said it I was like Are, are you paying attention to your own shit Like, Did you fall in go ahead.
1: It was a lot It was a lot And um, it's father You can't leave Mm -hmm. up with his mom. Not an auntie. mm -mm. You ain't give him up for uh, foster care. Mm -mm. His actual, like, came out of his penis father. At 16. At 16. Even if it was three, I do not care. That is his father. Like, (laughs) oh my goodness. People are ridiculous. People are really, really ridiculous.
0: It's hurtful. It's hurtful when you have people that judge you and um, cannot see, you know, because there was so much there was so much going on within me that nobody really knew about because I didn't talk about it. You know what I mean? I'm starting to be more transparent about my actual story. But as a single mom, that took a, a, a toll on me. Like I would come home. And I would start getting really frustrated. You know, I would walk through the door and my son's like socks would be on the floor. And I found myself just like yelling, get your damn socks up. And I was like, wait, this is not me. You mm-hmm. know, like something inside of me wasn't right because mm-hmm. I was easily triggered. Yeah. You know, my daughter was off in college, but she wasn't kind of doing what she was supposed to be doing her first year. And she was having trouble and not because of anything, any other fault of her own. You get what I'm saying? Going and partying <clears throat> and not focusing on her study. So that was frustrating. You know, my son just wanting to play video games was frustrating. My job, you know, at, this is before I got laid off. My job was just, I felt like I wasn't getting ahead like I should have been because I was doing the, a phenomenal job. But then the manager Was twenty five. You get what I'm saying? They would bring a manager in with no experience, and here I was in my late thirties and couldn't get ahead. Because why? Right? I didn't want to speculate, whatever. And I was just looking at. I wasn't happy. I had everything that I needed. I had a wonderful home. I had a new car. I had, you know, my credit was great. I had everything that I needed. I just wasn't fulfilled. Something inside of me did not feel happy. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel fulfilled. I would look at some of the relationships I had, and I was just like, "If this is the level of my friendships, then I need I'm, I need to do better," you know, because I started really paying attention to when people would be like, "Hey girl, let's go do X, Y, and Z." Hey girl, what are you doing? You know, they always wanted me to do something. It was never, hey girl, how are you? And how are the kids? What's going on with, you know? And then Mm -hmm. I realized I wanted a different level of connection with people. More meaningful connection with people. And yeah, I was just blowing money on brunches and lunches and happy hours and all of that stuff. And it was just social. It wasn't, you know, how could I call you my friend when all we were doing was getting together to eat and drink? That's it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And um, my eyes started opening.
1: Well-being. You didn't care about how life was treating me.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And then when I tried to talk to people about what was going on with me and the conversation ended up becoming one sided. It was just like, yeah, I understand because when I and I was just like, girl, this was not right. about you, but okay, I'm listening. And then I become the listener. So there was just a lot of things um rolled into one. You know, that there, there was no specific um thing or circumstance or situation. It was just a bunch of things. Um and I was just like, okay, something needs to change. And I wanted to start reverting and I just felt like I needed to go. It was like this, I don't know what came over me, but it was a sense of like a fire under my ass. You got to go and you got to go now or something's going to pop off. Whether I was going to, you know, I would never say I would i would hurt myself, but it was to the point where I was just so, I just wanted to isolate myself, go in the room, you know, close the door, and not come out kind of thing. And um, I knew there was more out there and I wanted that. I wanted more. So yeah, it was that overwhelming burning sensation that uh, was inside of me that was like, you know what, something got to change. And that's when I started making change. And um, that change led me overseas to Thailand because that was not my original plan. My plan was to go to Vietnam. And I didn't make it to Vietnam until a year after <laughs> I had moved um, abroad. I I was only stopping in Bangkok because I had heard so much about it. Uh, And I went to Chiang Mai because it was like random. I heard about it in one of the travel groups. And once I got to Chiang Mai, I fell in love with it. And that's where I, I met you. I met so many people of color in Asia. And it was just like, whoa, we're here. We're out. Like, we're out here. And I felt a sense of connection immediately to Thailand. And that's where, you know, my pursuit of happiness began.
1: And do you think that you have found the fulfillment? Do you think that you have found the connection that you've been looking for?
0: I did at first. I did at first. I was very happy in Chiang Mai. I was very um content. I was I was like this is home, you know. It really it felt right. And I made some wonderful friendships and connections in Chiang Mai and um that's when I started really working on my spiritual self. And I started seeing a shaman and again my eyes opened up to the fact that I was suffering from Ancestral trauma, like big time, <laughs> and I had not come to terms with that—that um, that the way that I moved, the way that I talked, the things that I did and had done—all were directly linked to a non-existent relationship that I have with my mother and the toxicity of you know her and my relatives in general, which were seeping into my children. And I was surrounded by toxicity. And that was probably the first inkling that 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 thing inside of me that was going on when I was in the States that I said was burning and it was telling me I needed to go. That was my instinct. That was the angels around me that was like, it's now or never. You know, if you stay here, you're going to be drowned, drowned by this toxicity. It's time for you to go. And, um, so I left and once I was gone, oh my goodness, the difference when you remove yourself out of a toxic situation that you didn't even know was toxic. Cause remember, I told you I had everything I needed on the outside. Everybody thought I was great. I was in school. I had my place. I had a job. I had a car, had, you know, money. I was good, but mm -mm, I was surrounded by toxicity.
1: Um, so what was your process like? What was it like for you to clear up the things that you believe were there to get through whatever was holding you back from being more present, from being fulfilled by the things you had around you?
0: Um,
1: it was a process.
0: It wasn't like I just woke up. and was like, oh, well, you know, something's wrong. I need to do whatever. It was like just waking up every every day to the sun and listening to the birds. Thailand is a different kind of peaceful, you know? People see Bangkok as like big city lights and all these people, but Chiang Mai wasn't like that, especially when I first got in there. And um, there was a sense of peace every day that I woke up and stepped out on the balcony and just took a deep breath. That was the first and I was just like, my body needs this. That's where the wellness began. Then, as I started meeting people, that's when I learned more about like meditation and I learned more about Vipassana. So, I did a Vipassana, you know, retreat kind of thing, silent. And it's not easy, you know, but then I was able to reflect a lot. I was able to learn to let go. But even letting go is not as easy as what it sounds. So when people be like, you need to just let that shit go, it doesn't happen like that at all. And even though we might not think about it at the time or whatever, we can be triggered easily by something that we didn't even realize triggers us. So I was learning all about that. Uh, people might be familiar with what we call Yi Ping in Chiang Mai is the Lantern Festival. That's where people light the lanterns and the sky is adorned with thousands and thousands of lanterns. When I did that, I wrote a, I think it was like a 10 or 15 page letter to my mother. Just, I'm talking about just expressing everything. Little, big, indifferent, it didn't matter. Just expressing my feelings. And I wrote this letter, not because I planned on sending it, but I needed to release it from inside, you know? So I wrote this letter front and back, good, like I said, between 10 and 15 pages. And it was the day before Yi Ping, and I burnt the letter. I, I, I set it on fire, and I put it uh, on an ashtray, and I promise you, the whole thing burnt up except for one excerpt and it says i love you but i love me more nubia that piece did not burn and i was just like wow okay universe i get it this is where self love comes into play because i had to put everybody first my kid i mean literally from the moment I got out of high school, you know, I ended up having my daughter a year later. So I had to put my time into my kids. I had to put my time into my work because I needed a job. I needed my time to put into my friendships because I was trying to be social. I just never really took time to learn to love me. Some of the things that I was doing, um, were destructive, they they, it, and it was not indicative to self love, you know, and um, that's when I started doing a lot more healing work, and I was introduced to a shaman literally through my podcast. <laughs> Somebody recommended him as a guest. And that's when I kind of learned because I was asking those questions. So tell us what is a shaman. So tell us what is it that you do, blah, blah, blah. And my roommate at the time was like, I think I'm going to call him and do the work. And I was like, okay, let me know how you, I'm one of those. Let me know how you like it.
1: (laughs) So she did it.
0: (laughs) She did it. And she was just like, yo, this is the real deal kind of thing. So I made my appointment and, um, yeah, that's when I started really working on connections and getting rid of dark entities and understanding chakras and understanding how energy works and all that. And um, yeah, it's been a long road and I'm still on that self-healing road, but it definitely opened so many so many opportunities and doors and allowed me to live again, you know? To live a life where I wasn't fi- I wasn't fearful, I wasn't Guilty. I didn't feel guilty anymore about leaving and all of those things. So,
1: yeah. Live again, but it sounds like maybe live for the first time fully.
0: Yeah, if you really think about it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair to say. When I say live again, I guess, you know, there was a point in time, moments, right, that you live and you're just like, and it could have been those moments where travel first came into my life, where I felt like I was living, but I didn't, I wasn't really living until I started living. Does that, mm-hmm. <laughs> does that make sense? So, yeah, like you said, you're right, you living So,
1: it's like, oh, I'm out here, I'm doing it, but you're like, mm, something still is missing. <laughs> I'm out here, but, yeah. mm. Yeah, it's been beautiful. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about your retreat. So you actually did a retreat during the Yiping Festival in 2018.
0: Yes, I did. Because I realized how powerful it was for me and I wanted to offer that to others. And um, I did my first ever retreat and, um, probably my last, I'm just not a retreat girl. So, and it's over, it's saturated, you know, niche. Um, but I did the the retreat and it went very well. And it's funny because one of my clients that came on the trip, it was a 10 day or eight day vacation to Thailand. And, um, she ended up staying a month.
1: Wow. And,
0: yeah, girl. She ended up staying a month because she was having such a great time. And I invited her to stay in my home for the remainder of the time that she was there. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, listen, I've been wanting to take a bike ride. And I, I met on a like a, a scooter, right, uh, through the mountains of Chiang Mai. Um it's called the Mae Hong Song Loop. And I've been wanting to do this, but I didn't want to do it alone. And um, she was like, okay, I've never been on a scooter, but I'll go. <laughs> so we got her a scooter. I taught her how to ride. And I gave her a couple of days to just ride around the neighborhood, ride around my complex. And then we set off on a five-day motorbike adventure through northern Thailand. And it was phenomenal absolutely phenomenal. I've never seen beauty the way I got to see it then because we just took our time. We took our time. We stopped everywhere along the way. And that's where I was just like, wow, this world is so beautiful. That's when the the true gratitude and appreciation really took hold because we're so busy in our phones, so busy, like you said, paying attention to controversy or whatever, who, you know, the president and his nonsense or whatever. Mm -hmm. We're just inundated by noise. This was the first time that I had really left the noise behind, like all of it, you know, all of it. Cause just being on that bike by myself, she's on a different bike behind me and I'm just Coasting through these windy mountainous roads, you know, through nothing but greenery and silence. And you just taking it all in. You're just taking in the smell, the sounds of the birds or the sounds of the, the leaves, you know, being blown. And when we would stop sometimes and we would kind of walk into a field just randomly, don't ask me why. Maybe it was just intuition. I was like, stop here. And I remember us stopping at a field, and we walked in, and oh, it looked like a it looked like a Monet painting. Like we were living and in, walked into a, a painting of just fields of flowers of purples and yellows, and the mountains. You know, you know, Chiang, Chiang Mai is. Uh, Mountains and just the mountains in the distance and the clouds, the way that it was everything was absolutely just perfect. And I use perfect lightly, but it was perfect. It just looked like I don't know. I was just like, this is dope. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't even know places can look like this. Like, it was just, and I've, and by that time, I had already been to like 30 plus countries. So, I've seen some beautiful things, but this was like a whole nother level of beauty. And I was just like, wow. And we just sat and just looked out. It was just amazing. Yeah. So It was just amazing.
1: So <laughs> it's almost like you kind of engineered your own healing experience, I suppose you could say. Oh. But it, it, but, it, but it also sounds like it's not something you did intentionally. Correct.
0: I think it's just listening to that instinct. I keep bringing up the word instinct or intuition. You know, um, I think we, I know we all have it. It's just difficult for us to really pay attention to it or hear it. You know, it's that gut feeling that's telling you to do or not to do something. And usually when it tells you not to do the shit and you do it anyway, you end up having to deal with the consequences. So I started really, like I said, I don't know why we poked over you know, at that moment I can't tell you why I think I had to go to the bathroom or something in it <laughs> and I was like, there's a field coming up let's stop right here something it was whatever it was random and that's where the beauty you know where I was just like wow this world is absolutely stunning nature is on a whole nother level of dope you know and um, I started really just paying attention to my intuition but I'm a firm advocate of saying you create your reality period. There are no excuses. There is no, but I don't have, if only um, somebody gave me a chance, if only, nah, B, it ain't nobody else's fault but your own. You stand in your own way, period. And I tell people there's no such thing as failure. What, well, to me, failure is not even trying. I've tried multitude of things that maybe didn't work out the way I would have liked them to, but at least I tried. And at least I can write down notes to say what I wouldn't do again, but at least I tried. And I'm a firm believer of that, creating your own reality.
1: What would you, t- what would you say to people who bring up the very real systemic um, things in place in a lot of different countries who would, who would counter what you just said that like, mm, yeah, you create your own reality, but there are lots of things in place that X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. What would you say to those people?
0: There again, I mean, again, that's just, I say it like this, right? When you really take the time out to have to look at what's going on around you, the people that you deal with, the things that you choose to do, right? We all choose to work the kind of job that we're working not because that's the only job we can get. That's the only job that you are actually allowing yourself to apply for. You know, whatever the case may be, you, again, I don't give a shit what's, what's the you know, what's going on around you, the situation, it's it's still the same concept. You create your reality. So if you consistently think about, well, I have to do this because of that, or I can't get ahead because of that, you're not going to get ahead and you're going to continuously do the same shit that you've been doing because you are putting yourself in your own way. The one thing I can honestly say, and I'm bringing up this fool only because of this particular reason, and I will not bring him a bucket. Donald Trump Mm -hmm. is a prime example of this, okay? This man was telling you in the 80s that he was going to be the president of the United States. Whether he was saying it jokingly, whether he truthfully believed it, he said it. He said it for a decade. He said it it over and over again whenever he was asked, oh, I'm going to be the president one day. Look at him today, okay? My point is that when you believe in yourself, belief is strong, okay? It's the same thing about law of attraction. It's the same thing about manifestation. It's all the same stuff, no matter how you word it. It's a belief and faith in yourself. It might not happen tomorrow, but it will happen. I think it was Jim Carrey. Who said that he had a blank check under his pillow for I don't know it was something like five to ten years. He was a stand-up comedian doing little hole-in-the-wall stuff, and he was just like, "I'm gonna make it big one day. I'm gonna make my first million or something." He he did look it up. I, I just I'm being really um, scattered about it, but he did, and he manifested his first million because he was consistent. He believed in himself. He knew that one day he would make it big. You have to, if no, if you can't believe in yourself, how the hell do you expect others to do and believe in, in yourself? And Our I'm small, a firm believer.
1: First of all, man, sorry to cut you off, but that is from RuPaul. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell somebody else can love you? I've watched the show. So stop stealing her <laughs> stuff. Sorry. <laughs> Go I'm
0: going to tell you right now, RuPaul got that from me. We went to lunch one day. I'm joking.
1: <laughs>
0: so, I mean, manifestation is real. It's real, people. Like, you have to understand that if you place yourself, nobody's going to necessarily always put you there. You got to place yourself there. Period. I th- there was this one woman. She was a con artist. I, I bring up stuff randomly because it amazes me how this shit happens cuz i've seen it in the news and whatever this this one woman placed herself in like the richest areas and in, in the richest places and people thought she was like a princess or rich or something like that and she got all this stuff free and that now she's in prison whatever cuz she it was lying right <laughs> but my point is she believed it right so everybody else believed it you know this guy pretended he was a doctor and he you know and he was able to do all this stuff and He really wasn't a doctor. The point is, (laughs) your belief goes a long way. When you are sick, if you sit there and keep saying to yourself, oh, my God, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, you're you're sick. But if you're like, you know what, I'm not going to let whatever this is, because this is how I think of it, I'm not going to let whatever this is come over this system. And I start hitting that ginger, that vitamin C. I don't usually stay sick. You know? 'Cause my belief is I'm um, not today, <laughs> what you're not gonna do. I could be in bed, laid up, covered, sweating, but I'm still saying to myself, this gotta we gonna nip this in the bud sooner than later, you know? Um, mind over matter. Mind over matter. It's it's science, people. Seriously.
1: And um, how long did it take for you to incorporate this into your own life?
0: It's still, girl, I'm still working on it. How about that? It's a, <laughs> it is a process. I am no one's guru, sensei. I ain't got this shit together. I've been traveling three years full time and I still, still need teaching and training and reassurance. And I still require or want you know, to, to be affirmed some way, somehow, just to let me know that I'm doing it right, or I'm okay. And I I had to learn how to do self affirmations. Like, you're going to be all right. You got this. This too shall pass. I'm not saying I live a perfect life, but I live a life full of adventure. I live a life, you know, that is, oh man, what can I say? Jesus. sometimes (laughs) my life is totally not for everybody (laughs) it's not for everybody when I first started and I said currently in Mexico I didn't give you a city in Mexico I've been living all throughout Mexico and I've only been here three months and I've lived in four different places in three months so far and I'm heading to a new place in four days so that's my choice you know That is my choice. I choose to move around the way I do. I choose to live the life that I live. I chose this not because I have to, because I want to. And sometimes I say to myself, Nubia, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you shifting around? Just find a place, settle down and call it that. But something inside of me is just searching. And whatever it is that I'm searching for, I haven't necessarily found it yet. And until I do, I'll continue to search.
1: Do you think that you are living the life that you want to live now?
0: No. No. I'll say no. And I say no because I'm 42 this year and I'm still a single Black solo female traveler. Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that. I would have thought I would have been married by now and my partner and I would be traveling the world together. And I'm not saying I need someone to be fulfilled, but I enjoy companionship. I enjoy nurturing, right? Being a nurturer. So, to me a fulfilled and complete life would be having my partner, having my children and my grandchildren um in a place where we're all able to support love and and be just happy together. That is what my perfect world looks like. And I know that it will happen. I am envisioning it. I feel it will happen one day, I just don't know when. Um, but until then, then that would be at the point where I would say, okay, okay, this is it.
1: What do you, if you can share, what do you say to people who are looking for their tribe? What if people are sent in a similar situation that you were in around people that didn't really care about them personally? They're looking to deepen their connections. How, how would you tell them to go about doing that?
0: Um, for On my podcast, Chronicles Abroad, I'm very big about reach out. Reach out. Reach out to if you have, if you heard an episode, even with your podcast, if somebody heard an episode and they're really intrigued by it and they have questions or they just want to reach out to say hello, do that. I mean, we put our contacts for people to reach out. It has been the most amazing process. Okay. Actually, funny thing is I am at, one of my, (laughs) one of my interviewees house right now, we had, I interviewed um, Wendy and Jamie almost two years ago. And now we finally got to meet once I came to Mexico. And they both were like, me, me, casa, su casa. If you ever come back to Cancun, please hit us up. And I'm one of those people where if somebody invites you into their home or invites you, To a meal that they cook, you take them up on that offer. I hate when people go, okay, okay, and that's it. And then you notice that they're in that area, like, oh, you didn't reach out. Whatever. I reached out. I was like, I'm coming to Cancun. I'll be here for two days. Is it possible? They were like, girl, yes, I'm in their guest bedroom right now having this interview with you. Mm I have I have traveled all around the world by invites. You know, my first time going to Africa, I met someone in school and he was living in South Africa and by the end of that semester we had became really good you know acquaintances and he was like you should come to Africa and you know I'll host you I'll show you around and I was like are you serious he was like yes I'm dead ass I got a ticket went to South <laughs> Africa and had the best <laughs> two weeks my of my life you know
1: wait I'm was trying it, to was tell words you. or his words dead ass sorry
0: you. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Right. But what, my point is that people need to allow themselves to meet and connect with people that work with you. I started putting out this quote that said, um, I need to learn how to say stuff verbatim. But anyway, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you look around at your circle and you don't get inspired, you don't have a circle, you have a, you're in a cage. So there's nothing wrong with evaluating, evaluating yourself, evaluating your life, evaluating the people in your life, just taking time to evaluate. And you should reevaluate constantly. Like I do every couple of years. I look at my social media and I start getting rid of stuff. I'll start unfollowing people that I feel like are not inspirational enough that always got some drama that's always talking about whatever I don't want that shit on my time feed I don't so I just get rid of it not to say I don't like the person they're just going through their own storm but I I don't need to be in the storm with them you know what I mean you can still love and support and be um there for people who aren't necessarily where you are you just have to keep them at an arm's length so that they don't cloud or distort where you're trying to be.
1: Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. so cultivating cultivating your personal space, making sure that you are keeping that space completely clear of any foreign objects
0: <laughs> that could... Because misery, misery loves company and they don't... These cliches, people um, think that cliche is just that they come from somewhere and a lot of them have a lot of truth to them you know it's not that because somebody's miserable they're tr- trying to bring you down it that's just how energy works if they are on low b- low vibration and you constantly have them in your home or in your space and you're eating their food and you, your vibration starts to diminish but when you're around somebody with a higher vibration and they're upbeat and they're doing well and whatever you're more apt to be inspired and be like, wow, you know, and 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 feed off of that energy, not because you're trying to take, 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 but you're really admired, you really admire this person because of that energy. So when you see light, you end up walking towards it. And if you have light within yourself, your light is going to start to illuminate when you're around other light, period. So if you want to travel more, do keyword searches in Facebook. In meetup groups like meetup.com. I mean, the internet is full of resources. You know, this podcast, any other podcast, whatever the heck you, they're all resources. You know, for the person who's listening to this right now who may have never, ever gotten to meet me in person, if this resonates with you and you want to reach out to say, hey, I heard your episode, you know, on the Black Women Travel Podcast then reach out and say, I heard your story and I just wanted to say X, Y, and Z, because I'm that person that's going to respond. And from that conversation, you never know where it would go.
1: Speak up. How, is this a philosophy or like a, an attitude towards life that you've recently developed or were you always like that?
0: Um, I think I'm a Sagittarius, so I, I've always had a fire inside of me. So I think a part of me has always been like that, but fear kept me from actually uh, being the best at it. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I was, yeah, I was like I said, I'm that person. I like talking to people. So if I walk past you and I like something you got on or you're eating something that I, I have no problem walking over and be like, hey, Hey, sis, you know, I'm loving that style. Or, hey, sis, you know, what is that that you eat? And, you know, where are you from? Whatever. I'll spark a conversation with a total stranger any any given time of day. That has always been my personality. And from those conversations, a simple hello and a smile have gotten me wow. Um, the relationships I've built, just understand that. The relationships I've built just from a simple hello and a smile has been amazing. Um The other day, I was in Tulum, it was my last night in Tulum, and um, there was these two women trying to take photos and they were taking photos of each other at the beach. And so I just stopped and was like, hola, you know, como estas? And I just had my little simple conversation that I could have in Spanish. And I asked them if they would like for me to take their photo for them together. And she was like, si señorita, you know, gracias, whatever. And I was like, okay. So I took their photos. And they seen them and they were like, wow, these are beautiful. Thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. Where am I from? You know, the conversation gets started because this is the simple conversation that people have abroad. Where are you from? What are you doing here? Are you here for vacation? How long are you here for? Blah, blah, blah. And they spoke enough English. Well, one of them did. And by the end of the conversation, I tell you no lies. We had our WhatsApp out. She gave me her phone number. She said, I live over in this particular region of Mexico, and I want to invite you, and this is what you'll see, this is what you'll do, and and you can stay in my home, and I cook for you. Girl, do you know I have her WhatsApp? We took a selfie, and I plan on totally texting her (laughs) to say, I would love to come. Heck, yes, because that's a whole, this is what life is made up of. We are all interconnected. Connected in some way, shape, or form. If I didn't take this woman up on her opportunity to come see now a place that I didn't even know existed and do things that I didn't even know I could do, what's the point? I don't need to be just in Cancun or just in Mexico City or just in one place. It's the world is so huge. And we had great conversation. And my instincts was like, you know what? Definitely take her information. You know? So you have to apply. I'm not saying go with every stranger. <laughs> Listen to your inf- intuition. Mean, it's 2019.
1: We stranger it up quite a bit. You do Airbnbs, you do Grab or back in the States, Uber, Lyft, whatever. We stranger it up these days. Like,
0: Good point. Good point. But not a lot of people would travel to meet a stranger. Does that, you know, not even shit. Oh, have you a seen lot 90 Day was. Fiancé? <laughs> Girl, yes, and I thought about I that have, too. That's not I what you? <laughs> I, I, I have. What if you married at first
1: sight? <laughs> <laughs> but we not, do a lot of things, interesting. So, I would like to ask. I, I mean, mm-hmm. what are you still there? <laughs> yes, I am. You were saying something, I'm listening.
0: Oh no, no, I just said that's life. I was just saying life is is made up of, you know, ebbs and flows. And um you have to you have to ride the wave when the wave, when the wave comes, you know.
1: Girl, sometimes that wave rides you though.
0: <laughs> Either way, you gotta ride it, you ride through it, you ride over it, you ride it, period, you know. Just understand the wave don't last forever. That's why it ebbs and it flows, it comes and it goes. <laughs>
1: I heard that you had written um, a post, I think it was on Facebook, about self-doubt, fear, and guilt is like a recipe for depression or underachievement. And then you also talked about um, being triggered and self-doubt and uh, feelings of inadequacy were kind of at the heart of of that triggeration. <laughs> so like, talk about that. What what has your journey been like? So you you talked about being in the States, not feeling satisfied, a way being opened up for you. And then you coming to realize some things about yourself and taking that and running with it, seeking help um, and trying to move forward and trying to change your mindset, it sounds like quite a bit how you look at things and grooming the people around you so how has how has your relationship with self doubt fear guilt and adequacy been
0: it's a struggle it's still a struggle i mean you know i lived a life of self doubt and i'm noticing that more and more and this is what i was saying about i've always had a fire in me and I have a light that shines, but I can never illuminate the way that I deserve to illuminate because of the self-doubt, um, the fear of failure, the fear that nobody's going to want to hear what I have to say or like what I, you know, put forth or all of that. I mean, it's still, it still resonates. I don't believe that just because you're doing the work means it doesn't, it doesn't still live there. You know, especially when it's been embedded in you for so long, um, it's a constant. It's a constant struggle, it's a constant battle. The self doubt has been the hardest thing that I've ever had to deal with, and again, it stemmed from the ancestral trauma. You know, my mother was not the kind of parent to say "good job." I love you, keep up the good work, you're doing great, you know, giving me the um, respect (laughs) that I felt like I deserved, or the acknowledgement that she recognized the good that I was doing, you you know, and I think that that is why, for those who understand the love languages, you know, my love language which is quality time and words of affirmation. Those are my two top. And a lot of that is because, you know, she was a single mom and she was always at work. And even when she wasn't at work, it wasn't like we were spending mommy daughter, mommy daughter time together. Mm-hmm. So quality time is imperative for me. Uh, words of affirmation is imperative for me because I want I want people to I don't want to say I want people to like me, but I want people to enjoy me and enjoy what I have to offer and give. So for somebody to say thank you, I really enjoy that. Or for somebody like, wow, you know, and show excitement that I've a feed off of that. It's just like, wow, I did a good job, you know. And even at my age, it still lights me up when somebody's like, Whoa, you know, I had such a great time. Thank you so much, newbie. And I'm like, You're welcome. You know, I love to make sure other <laughs> people are happy. Yeah. And um and that takes away from me sometimes. Yeah. So the self doubt is still there, but I'm at this phase. And please tell me if uh, if you want to believe this, I'm just like fuck it. You know, i i can't con I can't continuously be so fearful that I end up paralyzing myself from even trying. Just I I just I had to stop. So. Being a travelpreneur and which is pretty much, you know, an uh, entrepreneur that really surrounds themselves around travel, being an entrepreneur in general is difficult. It's tough. It's not easy. And um I always have people that's like, yeah, 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 do it. I'll support you. And then you launch something and it's like, nobody's buying it or nobody's doing whatever. And it's just like, Oh, what did I do wrong? And it can, it can really hurt you in that way. If you allow it to, but to me, I'm just like, you know what? At least I tried. At least I tried. So I used to, I used to let the self-doubt make me feel inadequate. Now I'm utilizing that self-doubt to be like, okay, bitch. it's either now or never you're going to do it or not. Nah. You know, um, Just do it. If it don't work out, go back to the drawing board. Like, I'm using it to empower myself because self-doubt is real. I don't think that none of us don't have it. Whether it comes to personal relationships, um, business relationships, doubt is is real. It's just about how much of it are you going to allow to take over.
1: I heard that. I I think that's the thing, too, about entrepreneurship that I don't know is discussed well. The part where it's like so many things work for so many different people, but you just never know what's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And And we're all looking for instant
0: gratification. That's the problem.
1: Or we just want things to work out. And if you're trying thing after thing, sometimes it can be discouraging, and it could you could take that personally. So I don't know that it's necessarily instant gratification, because some things can happen very fast in social media. People can not actually like buy your ebook that you put out for it, for example. They can because <laughs> yeah, that that person know about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. But, you know, one thing that um, a friend of mine said to me that was so profound, because I, I did have this conversation. I was like, why when I try stuff? And she was like, Nubia, you're not consistent. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you'll put something out and you'll ride the way for, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two, you know, whatever. But why are you not riding it out for years? Why haven't you still been doing X, Y, and Z? I remember when you did X, Y, and Z. Why is that still not out there? And I'm just like, you're right. Because I was either looking for the instant gratification, or in that time span, <laughs> it didn't work out the way I thought it was. So I just let it go instead of just keep trying, keep at it, keep um, consistency is key for a lot of stuff. And that comparison thing, like you said, you know, um, social media can be really great for some people and some things can go viral. But before that thing went viral, we don't know what that person was doing before. You know, maybe they did put it out before and it didn't go viral. This is maybe the second time around and maybe they did something a little differently. Maybe they have someone in their network that was big enough that all they had to do was tweet it. or We don't know, right? We just know that that person now is making X, Y, and Z. And that's all we see. And we just say, oh, well, I want to be making X, Y, and Z too. Not everybody knows the backstory. Or what, you know, what that person was failing and what that person was doing before they became bigger. And it's funny that the people think because you've been successful monetarily, that you're fucking happy. That's not how it works.
1: At all. You
0: know? at all. So again, be mindful of what you ask for. There is a show on Netflix called American Meme. Don't know if you've seen it, but the highlight or the person that they follow the most is Paris Hilton. And Paris Hilton is not in my repertoire of people that I follow, (laughs) nor do I you know care what's going on. But it (laughs) was eye-opening to see that this woman came from money and she is one of the most unhappiest people. She was like, I don't really have friends. She was like, my friends are my fans, right? And it didn't resonate with me until you become somewhat of a a public figure yourself in a way. I have people that are... Like, oh my God, one of my listeners was like, I'm having a fan moment. And I was like, what? I was like, girl, bye. I'm just an average, I'm just like you, like you and me. She's like, you don't understand what you mean. Girl, but you know, people can look up to you and to them, you inspire them to be whatever. So people look up to her. Anyway, she was just like, these are the people that see me. You know, she was like, I don't, she was like, all my other people around me are fake, you know, and people only think that I live a life like this or like that. But I'm truly she's waking up in bed alone. She's not married. She has no kids, No, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then it just follows people who are social media influencers or, you know, making it big on social media and their lives are freaking lonely. You know, they're lonely. What you see, people look at and they're like, oh, they must live this glamorous life. Oh, they're having so much fun. Oh, they're doing whatever. Nobody outside of that picture, they're unhappy. So stop thinking that everything that you see is real life, because it could be going on, but behind the scenes, it's not what you think it is. And that's why I'm so transparent about my stuff. That is not funny. Like people sometimes, like you don't like no place or you're so pessimistic about stuff and it's like no I'm telling you my truth and that's it I can show you the best photo in the world and you're thinking that I'm out here living my life but after taking that picture I'm like okay now I gotta lug all this luggage with me or I gotta You know, find a new place to stay, and I gotta find uh, flights to get to this place. And I'm tired, and all I want to do is sit down. And I just don't want to create content today, and I don't want to talk to anybody today, and I don't want to do shit today. But I have to, you know. I I live a life just like anybody else. I just happen to be like a gypsy moving around doing it, you know. So that comparison thing and thinking that just because you made it big or because you're having success means you're happy, it doesn't. So, I'm not in a rush. I'm kind of like trial and error like anyone else. I put it out there if it's if it's uh, resonates and it connects, great, what can I do to make it better? That's the next thing, you know. But right now, it's just about trying. That's where I'm at in my life. So, I just launched the Women of Color Travel Society, and um it's gotten a lot of great feedback. Now let's when I launch the physical trips, we'll see what happens you know, whether someone buys into it or not. But either way it goes, I'm proud of myself for trying because I see that there is a niche market for professional women of color between 40 and 55 because we're not supporting each other. And I don't want to go on a trip with someone that's 23. That could be my child. I don't want to turn up on all my trips. I don't want to, you know, twerk. And then I just, that's not me. So... I want to create and curate trips for people who are of like mind and who still want to enjoy themselves, who still might want to get out and have a good time and party, but they're not going to be pouring, you know, vodka down you through and, you know, blasting the latest young Jeezy or something. I don't even know who these rappers are these days. But anyway, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I want somebody to go and have a good time and two-step, but I don't want a two-step with 60-year-olds either. No offense to the sixty plus.
1: Get off my long tyrant! Get off
0: my you whippersnappers. I mean, let's be honest. I'm not. I'm not too young, but I'm not too old. I'm in between, and I can run with the best of them. But you know, I want. I want to have conversations with women like myself, where we're talking about. Our, you know, whether they're divorcee, just getting married, just having kids, you know, at the height of their career, you know, at a a pivotal point where they're at a crossroads in their life, when they've dealt with, you know, real life experiences, like, I just really want to be around that crew. You know, I don't want to, I have friends that are in their 60s, and I love them to death, but they talk about a different era that I wasn't around, you know, then I have friends that are in their, you know, I don't know, late 20s, early 30s, because I talk to a huge amount of people. And I have one friend that every time I look at her, I'm just like, I can't believe that you could be my daughter. She's like, oh my God, if you tell me that one more time. And I'm just like, but you can. She's 25. And I'm just like, you could be my fucking child. But she's such a cool person. But we don't, we don't share the same, you know, caliber of things that we like to do you know she just has great conversation and she's funny but she's still 20 something
1: (laughs) so tell me about your thoughts of uh, aligning over hustling
0: Mm -hmm. my thoughts about aligning over hustling ah that was a good one well I think that it's important to be aligned in order to hustle correctly. (laughs) Let's just be clear. Alignment is more important than the hustle. And I feel like when you are aligned with your true self and your true purpose, the hustle no longer becomes a true hustle. You know, it's kind of like, people use the term hustle sometimes when they're like, I'm just grinding. I'm just grinding this team. No sleep. Nah, B I need my sleep. Sleep is important to me. Sleep keeps me aligned because when I'm just grinding, I become discombobulated. Like um, I can't think properly. I'm I'm forgetting things. I'm things are not working out because you're not taking care of yourself. Alignment to me is self-care. Those two to me, run hand in hand. Would you say the same?
1: Absolutely. So if
0: you're not taking care of yourself, how can you take care of your business properly? Mm-hmm. You know, you're bound to make more mistakes when you're not aligned and taking care of yourself. So align alignment over hustle all day long. When you're in a space and you're in a creative space and you feel aligned... Like I said, the hustle doesn't really necessarily look the same way. There's times when I could sit in front of my computer and I'm just banging out shit. Before you know it, I'm like, whoa, we're six hours in. Maybe you should eat, Nubia. <laughs> and I'm just like, but one more. But one more. And I'm just like, no, no, that one more is going to have to wait because you need to eat. You know, and I and that's where to me, align alignment comes from is just listening to your body and taking care of yourself from head to toe fully so that you can be able to work creatively if that's what you want
1: to call a hustle. I feel that.
0: I hope that answers your question.
1: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I want to ask you about, and no, you don't have to actually answer but I want to ask you about your relationship with your kids.
0: Mm-hmm. You sure you want to ask that question? We could be all mean, day.
1: If you don't want to. <laughs> uh, yeah. We don't okay. have a day, but you can answer. <laughs> Girl.
0: All right. So ask away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just like what, what is it like in general? Mommy's abroad. Not a broad, but you know. Traveling. <laughs> um, what's what's that like? Are you on Facebook Messenger or are you on WhatsApp? They don't really do WhatsApp in the states, but um, like, how are y'all keeping in touch? Do you feel close with them? Uh, what about the healing that you've done? Has it touched their lives as well? Are they talking about traveling? Is there resentment there? Like, what's 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 the tea?
0: Okay. The tea. So when I brought up toxicity and I was surrounded by it, I specifically kind of made a point to say that it's seeping into my children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the unfortunate reality is I have an estranged relationship right now with my daughter mm-hmm. and that was happening before I left. Um, I know I mentioned her going off to college and not doing the things that she needed to do for herself and all of those things. And um, I'm a firm believer of dealing with your own consequences. Like, I'm not that parent that feels like I always got to bail my children out of their nonsense. Right. So um, when she was failing out of college and wanted to come back home, it wasn't an open invite. <laughs> it was like, listen. I just got you out of out of this house. I really don't want you back. (laughs) You know, give me a time. Um, You need to figure it out. What are you going to do if you're about to fail out of college and you need to get it together? You know, period. And um, so our relationships started becoming estranged. She started dealing with the wrong type of people, and um, all of her smarts I felt like that she has just wasn't taken into account. What I'm learning today is that's her journey, and I needed to let her go and live her journey and her truth, and when she gets to a point in time, she will recognize what, where her, where her fault was, or she would acknowledge, you know, so people said it's almost like a rites of passage, right, she's going on 23, she expects she feels entitled and um, anything against what she wants or gets is like, who do you think, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that uh, shit I'm not dealing with. I don't care how you put it. So we don't speak. Um, She chooses not to speak to me, not that I choose to not to speak to her. I'm always here and I'm her mother and I'm going to love her regardless. But what I'm not going to do is allow her toxicity to strangle me in, the, in my process
1: um was that a tough decision for you to make
0: oh my god girl yes are you talking about a decision I haven't even made the decision I'm still working through it I was at lunch with some girlfriends of mine in Playa del Carmen and they're both mothers and this is what I mean about being surrounded by people in your age group and um of like mind. And we were all talking about our children and they're all grown. And, you know, one is a grandparent and, and one was talking about her son and how he's just like, you know, just not responding to text messages or asking her to pay for something. And then she'll check his bank account and see that he got the money, but he just wants it from mommy, you know, just that entitlement that these kids have. And, um, I was talking about my daughter, by the end of the conversation, I'm in tears, I have each of them holding one hand, and I'm feeling, and I'm receiving the powerful connection and energy that they're releasing to me to say it's going to be okay, you know, because my kids are a trigger to me. So um, I'm still learning to not reach out and be like, hey, I'm here, you know, call me, Hey. I just want to say, hi, how are you? Like, I had to let that go because it was killing me inside to not get a response or, you know, for her not to share and wanting to communicate with me the way we used to communicate, you know? And um, then it started becoming, well, you left. I left what? You were in college. What the hell do you mean I left? You know, (laughs) like um, kids are not meant to stay. We are supposed to, give birth to them, nurture them, and let them fly the fucking coop, period. You know, I'm not going to feel guilty for that. So how wherever she flew to is her problem and her business. And she's now a young adult, and I'm here to help her in any way that she can, but I'm not going to enable her behavior. And that's where I drew the line. So our relationship is rocky. My son, on the other hand, we took... Um, and he is really sitting back and watching all of this play out in front of him. He is the one that feels that he is in between the negativity in the family, you know, um, he's always having to fight my battles when somebody goes, oh, your mother did. He's like, my mother did what? What did my mother do? You know what I mean? Like, And he's like, he's tired of it. He's tired of hearing it, but he sees that it's coming from a place of more ignorance than of love. And people just are, it's almost like an envy. It's like, if if they could have done the things that I am doing, would they have? Or did they feel like they weren't able to because of whatever their reasons are? So they need to shoot me down because I'm living my life unapologetically and not asking permission. You know, so a lot of that stems from the family dynamic. Unfortunately, um, all my family still live in the same place. They are all doing the same things that they were doing well before I left. Well, before I left, I think um, my mother specifically has been at her job for like 40 years,
1: she was mm-hmm. 19 do that no more like Girl.
0: <laughs> people do that Port, she was 19 years old straight out of high school got a job and she's been at that same company ever since and she's only mid-level management that she's probably older than a CEO you get what I'm saying and has been through that company forever um, my aunt has been at the same space for over 20 years another aunt has been at her job 30 years another what I'm saying is they don't know anything
1: else. Mhm. So and of course. Never looked for nothing else.
0: And they ain't never looked for nothing else. So of course me doing something out of the norm is like, what the hell? This girl has spelled and bumped her head. What does she think she's doing? And I had to understand that. And I had to understand it's not that they're being, they're being nasty because they don't know anything else. <laughs> you you know what I mean? And I'm just like, dude, y'all need to live your lives. Like, what are you doing? But to them, that's, that's their life. That's their living. They're existing in their bubble and that's okay. It's not up for me to try to bust their bubble. They're going to live and they're going to die in that bubble. So unfortunately, my kids hear that. They see it. People bring that to their table and it's not fair because they're being surrounded by the toxicity that i did so. I did so hard to take them out of, you know. But it is what it is. So, at this point in time, my relationship with my babies is not as strong as what I wish it would have been. Where I am today, they have not visited any place that I've lived, and I've gave the open invitation. I've even offered to pay for it, um, and that's their choice. They have not necessarily reached out to see how I'm doing in that sense. I think my son views my social media and believes that everything's all hunky-dory because I look like I'm hunky-dory, you know, and instead of just calling me up going, hey, mom, just checking in and say hi. But again, he's turning 20. What's my expectation for a 20-year-old boy?
1: He may not, d- but ha- d- has he ever done that even, like, before?
0: <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, yeah.
1: yeah. Would we'll check in on you?
0: Yeah, not as often as what I would like, but yeah, he's he's a Libra and he's very more, he's much more grounded in the, the sense of wanting to make sure that you're okay. Mm-hmm. So he is, he's, he's such a warm spirit, you know, but he's, um, he hasn't found his path either, you know, so he has to figure it out. He decided not to go to college right after school. And what scares me the most about him is he has such potential and talent to be the best at whatever it is that he wants to do, but he lives with his self-doubt, you know? He lives with the fact that he feels like he can't do it. He feels like, oh, because he had issues in high school dealing with some of the academic stuff that he wasn't going to excel in college. And I was trying my best to explain to him that that's not how it works, you know? in high school, he wasn't seeking help. He wasn't asking for help. He was just not doing, you know, he was that kid that you'd be like, oh, did you do your homework? Yep, yeah, I did it, let me see it. Um, um, shoot, it was right here and it's like, dude, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He was that kid. And my daughter was the scholar. She was the National Honor Society, student government, um, getting all on a roll every year. So he felt like because she was the academic, he had to be the athlete, but I'm short and my kids are shorter. So it wasn't like he was going to play professional basketball or anything, you know, because he was just too short, but he did so well in his sports. That's where he excelled. So that's where he felt more comfortable, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know? Um, So they're on two different sides of the fences. Um, If he just gave himself a shot, I know he would, have, he would have been extremely successful in, in college. And I try to let him talk to friends of mine that are like, look, I went to college for like seven years. You know what I'm saying? I went to college for six years. Just because school is four years doesn't mean you're gonna finish school in four years, you know? Because we all sometimes struggle. Some people breeze through, some people don't. But I don't think people talk about their struggles enough mm-hmm. um, to allow people to understand that they're not alone.
1: Oh, I will absolutely say that. That's why we don't know those stories. We don't know. Um, I say that people are obsessed with the hero's arc. I was poor, broke. I had one shoe. I walked hopping up the <laughs> hill in the snow one way, two hours to go to school. Like, we hear that. And then we hear, and now I'm Gucci. Like, <laughs> you know. And this is how you could do it too. But we don't hear about. I tried this, I tried that, it didn't work. I was having a hard time finding myself. Uh, everybody around me was like this or like that. Um, we don't hear those stories, I don't think, as often. And I wonder about it, and I think someone said that like people don't care. People wanna hear about you making it. They want something inspiring to hold on to. They don't wanna see somebody else struggling. I think there's a lot of value in understanding that. Not for the sake of it's bad for everyone. It's just like, hey, we're all in this process, and we're going to keep going together.
0: Yeah, I mean, with every success comes with strife or struggle. I mean, to be honest with you, isn't it? I w- one person that I really enjoy watching is Jada pickett Smith mm-hmm. with the, the Red Table Talk. Yeah, and. I love watching her because she was fucked up. <laughs> she she has issues. And she'll tell you, I have issues. I used to I used to sleep with everything. I used to do whatever. I, you know, she's from Philly and she'd be like, look, I wasn't that person. You understand know what, what I mean? And even when I met Will, I still was like, whatever. I drank. My mother was a heroin addict. You know, she's very transparent about her nonsense. You know, and I I appreciate that. And that's what fuels me to be able to speak my truth because I wasn't, I used to oh, if you would have asked me about my kids maybe three years ago, I would have been like, oh, they're great. Oh, they're fine. It wasn't great and it wasn't fine. You know, because I was so afraid of how someone would view me and that guilt was I was still guilt ridden. What if I didn't leave? What if I would have stayed? What if I did this? What if I said that? Would my life right now be different with them? Would they be different with whatever? I don't know, but I can't go backwards. I can only move forward. And this is where I am today. And that's my
1: truth, period. Period. So if your bundles of joy were listening to this episode, what would you want to tell them?
0: I love them. I love them. Always will. Always have. And, you know, I, I want them to know that they both are super intelligent, caring, um, just loving people. And that's how I raise them. You know, they have a purpose. And their purpose will be fulfilled When they take the opportunity to stop and sit down and just think to themselves, what is it that I love to do? What is it that I bring to the table? What is it that I want to do, you know? And just seek that and they'll be okay, you know, that I'm here and I'll always be here regardless of whatever the decision is going to be. But um, to them or to anybody else, you have to stop for a second Stop the rat race. Stop the struggle. If you take a ride out to the country, to the neighboring town, just get out of your environment for a little bit. That's all it takes. Quick weekend, maybe an overnight. Just get out of your current environment. Don't take anybody with you. Don't listen or watch TV. Don't listen to the radio. Just stop and just listen to the stillness of silence. Take time to reflect on your life. What is it that you are doing that you feel like is right? What is going on in your life that you feel is wrong? It's almost like those pros and cons in your head. If there's anything that's wrong, think to yourself, how can I fix it? What do I want to do? Aside from what you think you have to do. And once you start really listening to these things and you start writing it down, you realize it's not too far-fetched because the next is the how, right? So you start with the where, where am I? What am I doing? It's the what, what am I doing? And then the, you know, the how, how can I do it differently or how can I do it better? The who, the what, the when, the why, all of the good stuff, just literally start there. But you have to do it yourself. You cannot have this conversation with your bestie or your significant other or anybody else. It has to be with yourself because you don't want no outside influences. And regardless of how crazy the idea might be that you want to do or how outlandish you might think it sounds, it doesn't matter. It's your idea. Put it down. Put it down how you foresee your life how you want to see your life. What do you think your life would look like if it was fulfilled? What makes your life be fulfilled? What do you think your purpose is? You know, all of the above, just write it all out and go back and read it and think to yourself, okay, now how can I get there? What's the first steps? Who do do I know in my circle or who do I know on social media that I follow that I think is aligned with this kind of purpose? Okay, let me send them a message. Let me email them. Let me DM them. Let me just put it out there. The worst that can happen is they don't respond. So what? If they don't respond, you go to the next one. But nine times out of 10, people will respond. I've literally seen messages that I didn't get for like months. And I'm just like, oh my God, I, I don't know how this got lost in my inbox, but I'm so sorry. But I will respond. You know what I mean? It could have potentially went to spam and I don't check my spam box often. People... It's not that they're not uh, responding intentionally, sometimes they just don't see it. So it doesn't mean that you just don't reach out to somebody else or whatever, just reach out to the only the people. It's like, okay, can I give this analogy real quick? It's like <laughs> you it's like you asking advice about marriage from somebody who is who was divorced twice. Maybe you should ask advice from someone that you know has been in a marriage more than 20 years. And then you look around and you're like, well, I don't know anybody that's been married (laughs) for longer than 20 years. Well, what does that tell you? If you want your marriage to succeed, maybe you should start looking for successful marriages, right? Whether that means you just go into Facebook and you look up groups, you know, marriage, 10-year strong marriages or strong marriages, how to, you just look for it and you'll find people I have a friend that just went through an anniversary, 22 years. And she's just like, we have been with each other for so long because we don't allow outside people in our present space, period. Easy said than done, right? Because the first thing something go wrong, first thing you want to do is put it on Facebook, put it on your Twitter, put it on Instagram or text that person, a different person and be like, girl, this, any other. But you're talking to somebody who has no freaking clue, how to make it work. They're going to tell you, oh, girl, if I was you. But you're not. You're not. You know what I mean? Talk to somebody who knows. It burns me. It's so funny when I look at these people in these travel industry. And (laughs) I'm sure you've seen this. Um, Coming from Chiang Mai, after living there for two years, I've seen people visit and been there for two weeks and be on social media like they are a... Expert on Thailand or an expert on moving abroad. I'm like, you haven't been nowhere. You've been here two weeks and haven't gone or did anything. You know, like talk to people who have done it and who have had longevity in it. I don't claim to be an expert, but I live it. It's my life. I'm not on vacation. I am an expat, you know, but I reach out to expats that have been doing it longer than me. I still reach out to people. Because I'm constantly learning and I want to learn from people who have more experience than I do. I'm not going to talk to uh, Jane, who has only vacation once a year, about living abroad. I mean, what does she, she don't know. It's the same thing in your life. Go to, go to people that are of like mind and who are living it, doing it, breathing it. And those are the people you talk to about making those changes in your life because you're in alignment with their life almost in a way. And, you know, that's building a new connection.
1: I wanted to ask you about another subject. Um, And of course, again, feel free not to answer, (laughs) to respectfully decline. I wanna ask you um, how you identify um, meaning, do you identify as queer, and if that is part of how how that has been part of your travel journey?
0: All right, so I identify as a lesbian.. Mm-hmm. And it has been extremely difficult um, in my travel journey to date. And have long-lasting relationships. And I think a lot of that has to do with the places that I had chose to live um, initially. Living in Southeast Asia, it was just difficult to find um, that community of women that look like me. I have to be honest. <clears throat> that look like me and that were in somewhat of my age group um, to date. And so I was single for a good two years in Asia. Asia. And then I moved to South America, I think it'll be different. <laughs> but um, language barrier, and um, especially people my age, it wasn't required for them to learn English in school. So, yes, the younger generation more speaks English because they speak English in school. Um, so, meeting people in their 40s plus, you know, the language barrier has been really tough. Uh, now I am in Mexico. I haven't really tried to date, but it will be on my radar. I did, however, go to a gay club in Mexico City. Literally went and walked it and walked out because I felt like every single buddy in there could be my child. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh hell," nah. you know what I'm saying? Like, hell no, nah. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. So. <laughs> I haven't had the best of luck um, finding or dating in a place. But also, I don't put myself in a position to do so. So I haven't really been on Tinder like that. I just oh. recently started online <laughs> dating. Stuff, so we'll see what happens. But I'm putting it in a, in the a universe that, you know, she will come um, when the universe says that I'm ready for her.
1: Um, do you think that the travel your traveling is adding an extra layer to that
0: oh for for sure for sure oh oh my god the funniest thing happened so again i believe in manifestation so i put in my instagram and on my facebook like you know um just patiently awaiting like my wife or something like that like one of my little crazy cool or something Mm -hmm. and so I get a direct message from a young lady who lived in DC and she said um do you not live in DC any anymore and I was like no I moved from DC like three years ago and I said why are you asking me questions though (laughs) she was like she literally was like I was trying to holler not scream like she was just like no (laughs) yes my ass this girl said well I'm trying to be debt free in the next few years, and me me dating somebody who lives abroad isn't going to be conducive to me saving money. I'm more into spontaneous visits and things like that. But it was nice, you know, reaching out. I was like, okay, she shot her shot and took the shit back like that. You know? But I was like, oh, I was happy that she was honest. But I was like, dude, had you done your research before you reached out, you would have knew that I didn't live in a goddamn state. Like, you could have saved that DM, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, that was that was quick in and out. I was like, well,
1: goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. So what has your experience been like? I don't know that um, being a lesbian particularly plays into it. As much as being black. Because you don't necessarily wear your sexuality. Like men don't care. If they want to run you down in the street. They're going to run you down in the street. Regardless right. <laughs> so. Um, um, how has it been. For you traveling as a black woman. And if being a lesbian as well. Has had any bearing on that. What. Has that been. <laughs>
0: I, I don't think my sexuality has played a part in anything. I think my gender and my color has because colorism is global. And like you said, I don't wear my sexuality on my sleeve. So you don't like you don't necessarily see me and see lesbian, but you see me and you see a dark skinned black woman. You know what I mean? And I think that traveling has you know, especially to the places that I've traveled, India, Asia, all of these places, to them, the definition of beauty looks a lot different from me. You know, mm-hmm. um, even in places that we think when I went to Africa, I thought, oh, I was going to be in the motherland and all this up, girl, by I mean, Africa has just as much colorism, in South Africa specifically, where I was, you know, um, the colors versus the blacks. Like, I learned a lot more about colorism and how deep it runs in these cultures. So, again, being the color that I am doesn't necessarily fancy the people in these countries that I visit. You, you know, you go to China, I'm a spectacle because they don't see people as dark as me. To them, beauty is white, not light white, like porcelain. the The closer to porcelain you get, is the more beautiful. And we see that in a geisha, and they put the white makeup on. It's because to them, that color is beauty. You know, in Mexico, though, I must say, these motherfuckers like them dark. They be like, "Ooh, negra, what's up?" You know, <laughs> but it's it's the my. It's, it's more of the men. I haven't had no women, you know, hollering like that. I'm still waiting for that to happen. But it goes to show you that they don't see skin color as a negative. They look at it as an, okay, you're beautiful. But there is still colorism here as well, because there's certain parts of Mexico that have um, Afro-Mexicano American Afro people. And that's where I'm heading next, is to check out the afro Mexicans, you know, and what that looks like and how their dynamic will be different. Um, And you go to Mexico City, they're more mixed with a lot more European and Mexican and whatever, you know, um, and educated and non-educated places, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that goes into play to these places that I visit. So it really, it hasn't had nothing to do with my sexuality. It really has a lot to do with my gender and my color, You know, I go, I go when I visit Dubai. Dubai, I'm not hollering at anyone. I don't care who you are. And I just read recently (laughs) on, it's the same thing is happening. If you're unwed and you, you know, have this extramarital or uh, premarital sex or anything like that, or especially with same gents, same sex, you can be imprisoned. Mm-hmm. Up to five years. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to buy rain and, and and trying to holler at some chick on Tinder. I'm not doing none of that. Like, I'm still culturally competent to understand that these are places where homosexuality is not, and I repeat, not tolerated. Does it stop me from going to those places? Absolutely not. It would just stop me from, you know, um seeking anything else other than experiencing the culture. Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: And let me ask you as well, are there any song lyrics or poems that speak to you these days?
0: Mm, That one's tough. Um, You know, know, it's funny because um, one song that gets me every time, and I'm talking about teary-eyed, and I don't know if it's hormonal, you know, getting 40 plus. (laughs) <laughs> um, hold on one second. So, One of Those Days by Whitney Houston, right? I'm pulling it up right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, Whitney Houston would sing this song called One of Those Days, and um, the lyrics Always got me, and she like in verse one, you know it says, kick off my shoes and relax my feet, hit the kit, hit the kitchen, grab a bite to eat. Now it's been one of those crazy weeks, and I gotta do something special for me. See, I hit the salon, get a mani and a pedi, have a massage, get a sip, and then I'm ready. Gotta take time out. You see what I'm saying? And it's like our idea of self care was just that. Let me get a mani and pedi, take care of my physical self. But were we really taking care of our spiritual self? You see? Like, even in her song, she's still taking care of her physical outside, but she was broken inside, physically, you know, mentally, emotionally. And then she talks about, you know, um, it's one of those days where you look at the sun and it's, it's bright, it's out there, and my life is going right. And it's the little things that we don't take for granted and that are not wasted. It's just one of those days, you know? And I'm starting to understand more and more, especially throughout my travels, that even when I'm having one of those days where everything just seems to be going wrong, I gotta understand that there's so much more going right. I'm alive, I'm healthy, I'm okay, you know?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So whenever I sing those lyrics, I tear up because I just go, I was her then, you know? I thought I was cruising in my car and when I got my nails done, my hair cut, I'm feeling good, life is great. In actuality, that's just my physical self. My Mm -hmm. mental self was broken. Spiritually, I I just was lost. So, I have to, I take more account to be present in where I'm at and what I'm feeling at that moment. Mm -hmm. Because I could be feeling like, what the fuck are you doing, Nubia? Why is everything just seem like it's not going right? And then I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. Nah, I'm just going through it right now, but I'm here. I'm blessed. Many people feel like they can't travel the way you do. Look at what you're doing. You're inspiring people. You're encouraging people. You're empowering people to do more. You're good. Stop. Stop with the stop with the the doubt. Stop with the, you know, all of that. So that's the one song I would say. One of those days by Whitney Houston. Get me in tears every time.
1: <laughs> every time. Um so I want to ask you also about your travel style. So it doesn't seem like you, you just move when the spirit moves you. So you stayed in sure. Thailand for about two years and it was like time to go, but that's the longest you've ever stayed anywhere, right? Correct. Okay.
0: Correct. Um, I don't know what my travel style. I thought when I was um, moving overseas, uh, um, I was going to be a backpacker. I learned very quickly that I'm not a backpacker. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Um, and um, yeah, I realized I wasn't a backpacker, but I also realized I, I couldn't live luxury, right? I never really was this whole, I need to have this and I need to have that. I'm a minimalist, but I have my standards. So I call myself a mid luxury traveler.
1: Mm-hmm. You're a um, I got you. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I need to, you know, make sure I have a four star, you know, depending on what country I'm in, you know, three would be the absolute m- most uh, or least that I would even deal with accommodations. Um, I do a lot of Airbnb. I do a lot of hostels um, because I like the interaction with people, but it has to be all female dorm. It has to have plenty. It has to have great reviews. So I'm very much about um, research, 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 um, you're not going to find me in, you know, a dirt hole <laughs> somewhere because, um, you know, I've seen literally blogs and blogs about, you know, traveling for $5 a day and hitchhiking and sleeping on people's floors or sleeping outside. Like, that's not me. I'm not doing that at all. I don't care <laughs> who you are, what what's going on, whatever. I'm just not that person. Um, but I don't need a five-star hotel either. I barely, barely ever stay in hotels. Number one, I don't want them putting a deposit on my card. Number two, I, there's just no interaction. I literally have a hotel room and i rather just pay for an Airbnb where I have a living room workspace and um, a little bit more freedom as like a kitchen and stuff like that versus being in a, in a hotel room. So yeah, my style is a little different. I call I call it more of an adult traveler. You know what I mean, like uh, an adult traveler. Yeah, I need some kind of certain necessities.
1: Well, I will wrap this up by asking you: Can you please share with the listeners how they can support your work? Yes, ma'am.
0: All right, so you can find me on Instagram at. A new experience, that's A-N-U experience, that's my personal page, or at Chronicles Abroad, it would be at Chronicles with an S underscore abroad, and also at W-O-C underscore travel society. Those are my three Instagram pages. You can also find my website at chroniclesabroad.com and our podcast is on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, I mean any platform that has podcasts, you can find us. And it's just Chronicles Abroad. And you can find my website for the women of color travels at WOC and I'll be coming out with a new experience.com soon. So there you go.
1: <laughs> you also have a um a Patreon that you do for newbie chronicles, or you're not really feeding yeah. that right now? Okay.
0: I do have it and I am feeding it more and more. I'm I I almost had that inconsistency creep in. And I was like, Nubia, you have to follow this through. So yes, I am going to be um, I have a Patreon called Newbie Chronicles. That's where I share some travel tips, hacks, and my stories abroad, some exclusive content. Um, I'll be doing my podcast on there and everything else. So check me out on Patreon.com backslash Newbie
1: Chronicles. You are a Thank you for bringing that man. up. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You are a blessing and a gift. Thank you so much for your time, for your thoughts, for your energy, for all that good stuff, for sharing so very much. Really, really appreciate it, Nubia.
0: Thank you for having me on, Wanda. I really appreciate it. And I am proud of you, my dear. Keep doing what you're doing. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing more from you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Cam. <Kim. laughs> All right,
0: Boo. <laughs> I can't believe we've been on this thing for two hours. I got to get myself uh, showered and washed. I'm heading to Holbox, <laughs> so okay. I got to go. Bye, Boo. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Have a good one. You too. Later.
1: Bye. <laughs> Ah um barum mm.